Glory to God. And if it's okay with you, we're just going to get right into the word. What do you think? So would you turn over to Matthew, the book of Matthew. It's good to see everybody this morning. Matthew chapter 14, and I want to say happy Father's Day. All you fathers out there. I took the liberty of pulling some Father's Day cards. I thought you might be interested in some of these. In case you haven't got a card yet, maybe this is an idea you can make this one. One says, it's not a dad bod, it's a father figure. I like the sound of that. Here's another one. I have to admit, you're the best dad I've ever had. Here's another one. You're a great dad. I mean, look at me. How about this one? My aim in life is to be as funny as you think you are. I identify with that so much. (laughs) You know what it is? Is there's this gap, generation gap. Because we tell jokes that all the rest of us that same age laugh at. But then our kids are going... That's not even funny, Dad. Funny. I, th- I think that's the reason why. Well, you're there in Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. Look at verse 25. And I'm going to read to you out of the New King James this morning. It says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea... They were troubled, and they said, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. How many of you, if you were on a boat in the middle of the sea in the fourth watch of the night, and there's waves, and there's wind, and you see somebody walking, would just think, that's no big deal. (laughs) And then Jesus said to them, he said, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said to him, Lord... If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had stepped down out of the boat, he walked on water to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, going crazy, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Now, here's my question. Why did Peter begin to sink? Because he took his focus off of Jesus, didn't he? Yeah, he looked at everything else but where his eyes should have been. One of the most important things about faith is what you put your focus on. This is one of the most important things about your faith is what you put your focus on. Because when people experience trials, they say, I have no idea what's going on. They say, how could this happen to me? And where their emphasis now is, is on the why. They take their focus off of the answer, off of the promise, and they put it now on the why. Why did this happen to me? You know, when my father passed away and it was unexpected and it wasn't, didn't think it was possible that it would happen as soon as it did 
it threw a wrench in my life. I mean, it, it, gave, it, it gave me an opportunity that I could either stumble over this or I could choose to believe God anyway and believe that his word is true. Because when we begin to question, we're now stepping into what the enemy did to Eve and Adam in the garden. His temptation to them, the very first thing that the devil said to them was, did God say? What is he doing? He's questioning what God said. Did God really say? Are you really a male? Are you really a female? This is how the enemy operates. He causes us to question. The reason is, is because he wants to get us out of faith. He wants to pull us away from our faith. And so, turn over to 1 Peter. I want to show you something in 1 Peter. How many of you can get there quick? 1 Peter. If you're there, say amen. Well, you beat me. 1 Peter. Look at, look at chapter 1. Look at verse 6. It says this. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Now let me read that first part again. So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead. Notice it says there's a wonderful joy ahead. And then look at what it talks about. It says, even though you must endure a few trials once in a while. Is that what it said? No, it said that you will endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It will be tested as fire tests and purified gold. So trials prove whether or not your faith is genuine. You can't see faith. I can't see faith in you. You can't see faith in me. But let's, let's squeeze the toothpaste. You decide that you're going to believe God for something. The revelation of or the manifestation of what your faith really is doesn't come into manifestation or doesn't come to pass until the problem gets worse. I prayed and believed God and things got worse. Okay. You know, every time I saw that Jesus cast a demon out, the demon, the demon manifested worse. Do you ever see that? You see it in the word where, where, you know, he spoke to the demon, commanded it to leave, and he cried out with this shriek, and the boy fell down on the floor, started shaking. You know, you're like, no, wait, Jesus told you to come out. Well, I heard it put this way. Whenever a demon manifests, that's not his best card. That's his final card. That's his last card to play. When things get worse, I'm that much closer to the manifestation of God's good thing that he wants to do in my life and his deliverance, his victory in my life. But I don't understand how this could happen. But when you're saying that, you're putting the focus on the wrong thing. You've taken your eyes off of Jesus and you're putting your focus on the problem, on the trial, 
on what you're going through. And if you focus on the trial, that's what's going to define your faith, is the trial, not God. Wow. So, because let me tell you something. Satan is not impressed with your church attendance. Do you know that? He's not impressed with you coming in here and volunteering, getting here at 7 in the morning and setting up for service. He's not even impressed with you inviting somebody to church, even though we have little invite cards for people to invite people. He's not impressed with that at all. You know what he's impressed with? He's impressed that when you get poked and you still look like Jesus. He's impressed when... When you're done wrong, but you decide not to live that way. You decide to live and to walk in love regardless of how people treat you, regardless of what they do to you. If I'm hurt by people, then what is the focus on? It's on me. I heard somebody say something one time. No, I was about to do a Bill Johnson. I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to stick with who I am. So, so God hasn't called us to live done wrong. He's called us to look like him. Man, nobody walked in love better than Jesus. Well, Phil, you don't understand. My life is a grind. Well, it's a grind because you're living outside of what you're designed to be here for. Let me read to you what Dan Moeller said. He said, God would never fill your tank with gas to travel roads that you never called to be on. Wow. So it's time to realign our GPS. Amen? It's time to realign our lives with God's plan for our lives. So with that in mind, turn over to Jeremiah because you guys know right where I'm going, but you need to put your eyes on it anyway. Jeremiah 29. Look at verse 11. In the NIV, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. When I grew up, I was taught that, you know, you get born again, and then you decide what it is that you want to do, and then you ask God to bless it. That's how I was taught growing up by different, different ministers, different pastors, and that was kind of my, you know, my, my thinking. And, you know, I, I heard friends when I was in Bible school tell their friends, you know, you're a great pastor. You should, just, you should just pick a town, go there, and just start a church. And I didn't really understand that one time. I remember um, when we had Zachary, the day Zachary was born, actually, I went in and I had a job interview that day. So after he was after he was born, it was the next day, I went to this job interview. And when I got to the interview, they said, you just had a baby yesterday? I said, yeah. And you're here for an interview? I said, yes, sir. You get the job. And they liked me anyway. It was a relationship thing. But I mean, it was, you know, and so I got this job. And it was my first sales job. I'd never worked in sales before. So they began to train me on how to sell. And I, what I was selling was hearing aids. So we were a, we were a audio we were a, a hearing hearing aid lab, and so we made our own hearing aids there. And so 
I, you know, I would, I would test the person's hearing and I would walk through. I got licensed with the state of Oklahoma to be able to sell hearing aids in Oklahoma. And God really blessed me on this job. In fact, I, we, made, we started making good money. We bought our first home and we were getting out of debt and, and you know, purchasing furniture for our house and just so thankful about what God was doing. Well, I remember there was a, I, I was, God was blessing me in this one month and the record of the most hearing aids sold was 101 hearing aids in a month. And I was sitting at 99. And I didn't know anything about the record, but, but one of the guys said to me, he said, hey, Phil, you're about, you're about to break the record. I said, really? And they began to share with me, you know, what the paycheck looked like for breaking the record. And I went, glory to God. And so I didn't quite break the record. I got to 100, but I just couldn't get to 102. So I just needed two more ears, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but I couldn't get there, and I didn't. And, but I, it was going to be a great check. Well, the owners had started to do some things, the owners of the company, because it was a smaller company. We worked directly for the owners. And they started making some adjustments, and they changed the pay before I got paid. And so it was substantially less. And I was like, oh. now, I can tell you, by some of your looks, some of you are offended already. I haven't even finished my story. And I was too, believe me. I was highly offended. I was like, are you kidding me? You changed the pay. And so anyway, so they started doing some things that were just weird. The owners did. I mean, just, and so I worked with a bunch of guys that were my age. And so we were all guys in our 20s and 30s. And they were all some of the things that the owners were doing, you know, they were, these guys were going around and complaining about it, and there was a lot of yeah, yeah, and going on, and one by one, some of these guys started to leave the company. Well, things went from bad to worse, I mean, as far as the yeah, yeah, as far as the job goes, it was amazing. God was still blessing me, even though I, I didn't get that big fat check, he was continuing to bless me every month. And, but my problem was this. My focus was on the wrong thing. My focus wasn't on how he was blessing me. My focus was on the, uh, how annoyed all the other guys were at these things that the owners were doing. And I was allowing their offense to get on me. And I was being moved by it. And I started coming home and I started talking to Nicole about it. This isn't right. I mean, they're doing this and they're doing this. And can you believe they did this? And I mean, I've, I've learned this sales thing now so I can go work for another company and sell any kind of product. And so I did. I allowed them to move me to the point I quit the job that God placed me in. I didn't ask God about it. I went to this next job, and we began to be in want. Wasn't making nearly as much money. I think, I think at least $1,000 to $1,500 less a month at this new job that I was at. So let me ask you that question again. Actually, let me read a scripture to you, and then I'm going to ask you that question again. In Luke 9, 23, it says this. It says, if anyone, Jesus is saying this, so this is in red. If anyone desires after me to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. 
So let me ask you this question. You're a good salesman. You could go work anywhere. Is this a true statement? And be blessed? Be in the center of God's will? No, I had a problem. I didn't ask God. I left. I stepped out of the job that he had for me early. And the blessing stopped. Now I'm toiling. Now I have to do it myself without God's blessing. See, before I had favor and blessing. Do you know what happened? One time on that job, when I was there, um, they came in and they told me, Phil, I, I had just, we had just rented our house before we bought it. Uh, we were renting our house and we were getting ready to move in and so we needed the first and last month's rent down. Well, back then, rent was Sorry, it was only $600 a month. But, so I only needed thir- like 1300 bucks or something to move in. And so I know that's 1200 those of you that are real, you know. But I mean, I think there was, it was 13 for some reason. But anyway, so I needed the money, that money to be able to move in. Well, I was going to have it the next check. Well, I walk into work the next day, and the boss calls me in, and he says, Hey, Phil, we made a mistake, and uh, we've overpaid you. You have? Yeah, well, how much have you overpaid me? Exactly the amount of money that I needed to move into this house. I said, Lord. And so I, so I said, they said, now we can take it monthly out of your check. And I thought, well, I owe everybody else. I don't want to owe my company too. I mean, I said, no, just take the whole thing out of the next check. They said, are you sure? Phil? I said, yeah, the whole thing. Don't even, you won't even get a check. I said, that's fine. And so they took it out of the next check. Well, now I don't have money to move into my house. So the right thing to do is to call the owner, the landlord, and tell him, hey, I don't have the money to be able to move in. So I call him and I say, hey, well, you know, I'm not going to have the money. I'm sorry. They overpaid me at work. They made a $1,300 mistake, and I get to pay for it. And so I'm sorry. We wanted to move in. He goes, well, and he was an older guy. You had to have a lot of patience. And he sat there on the phone for a while, and then he said, you know what, Phil? Just go ahead and move in there. I said, I'm sorry, what? Excuse me. He said, just go ahead and move in there. Oh, well, what about the $1,300? He said, we'll, we'll figure something out. And I went, man, I got off the phone just astounded. Well, my sister heard the call, and my sister said, she said, hey, Phil, if it'll help you, I'll go ahead and give you the money because I mean, you know, the right thing to do is to give him the money, you know, as soon as you can. She said, I will give you the money and you can pay me right back. You can pay me back when you can. I felt good about that because I didn't want to move in for nothing with this guy. So I, so she gave me the money. I blessed him. You know what God did? I made that in a week. He blessed me in a week that I was able to pay her back in the midst of these odd things that were happening at the company, God was still, okay, I'm going somewhere with this. So, all right, this is a common attitude. God is with me. If I'm born again, God is with me. All right, so God is in me. But if I have, given him my life then I have surrendered my will to his will 
So what happened for me was I surrendered my will to his on the first job, but the second job, I didn't even pray. I just got offended. I left. And now I'm not being blessed on this job. Okay, so let me read a scripture to you. In Joshua, and you can turn over there if you want, Joshua chapter 5. Remember, Joshua was getting ready to go into Jericho. God was leading them into Jericho. And it says, now Joshua, when he was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or our enemies? And I want you to notice the response of the angel of the Lord. Neither. Abraham Lincoln, when he was asked this question, he was asked, Um, if he was ever concerned about whether or not God was on his side. This was his response. And he verifies this scripture in Joshua. He said, sir, my concern is not whether or not God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. For his side is always right. And notice what the angel of the Lord is saying. The angel of the Lord is saying, I'm not on either of your sides. You should be on my side. We should be on the side of the Lord. And so I discovered that that's the side I want to be on. And that if I can align my life to his will, man, that's where the anointing is. That's where the blessing is. That's where I'm going to be most effective. Does that make sense? I don't want to be playing center when God has anointed me to be in the point guard post. I don't want to be trying to operate in something that I wasn't called to do. You remember when Jesus was at the wedding feast and you remember his mother came to him and she said, Jesus, they've run out of wine. And he said, I, why is that a concern for me? And she said, well, you can do something about it. And he said, my, my time has not come. But notice what his mother did. I love moms because they're so good at activating their kids, pushing their kids, launching their kids into ministry. She turns and she looks at the servants and she says, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. This is the best instruction for my life, for your life. When we're walking towards God's plan for our life is whatever he says to you, do it all right so but this is going to take full surrender humble surrender to him why because it may not be exactly what you thought it was going to be it may not look like what you thought it was going to look like amen so let me say a couple things there are good ideas and then there's God ideas. There are things that are birthed in the flesh, and then there's things that are birthed in the spirit. We want the things that are birthed in the spirit, right? So, because here's the deal. The enemy has the ability to bring good ideas to you. See, it seemed right for me to leave my sales job because of all the things that they were doing that were not right. But if I don't ask God, am I supposed to leave? And I just make an executive decision. Am I fully surrendered to him? Is this a good idea or is this a God idea? 
So, okay. All right. All right. Because here's the deal. Satan never, he never counterfeits, if I'm saying that right. He wouldn't counterfeit a $1 bill. Who does that? You counterfeit the more expensive bills, right? The $100 bill, right? Because there's value there. So he always, he's really good. What I'm saying is he's really good at making something sound good. Why? He wants to give you an alternative to take you off course to get you out of alignment with God's will for your life so that you'll walk over here. And then if he can keep you in a fence, then, he can, then you're stuck over here. Because you left out of a fence, not because God said it was time for you to leave. And Lord, help me say this. Because some of you are looking at me like, huh? cow to new gate. It's all good. Let's keep going. So, <laughs> so let, me, let me say this a different way. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, he said, when you pray, don't use vain repetition like the heathen do. Sometimes we, we get an idea in faith to, do, to use a formula that we've used before. You know? Um, for instance, let's use, let's use the, uh, the method of confession. You know, you remember, I don't know if you guys remember when I grew up, you know, it was, there was a lot of teaching on confession. Watch your confession, watch your mouth, watch what you're saying. And that if you confess something, you know, then God would work in that area. And I just read to you a scripture that Jesus said, hey, when you pray, don't use vain repetition saying things over and over. Well, in Romans 10, verse 17, we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? In fact, in the New King James, it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it doesn't say that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Think of it this way, that if we just played the word of God nonstop on our, on our boom boxes, in our cars, and in our iPods, whatever, whatever it is, and we just listen to it 24-7, then by the end of the week, we should, we should be at, at Smith Wigglesworth level, faith. But our people? No, because listening to it is not enough. It has to become real to us on the inside. Does that make sense? So that I, I hear it with my ears, but I have to hear it with more than my ears. I have to hear it with my heart. So that it sinks down in and it produces from the heart up because many of us can quote the word, but it hasn't impacted our heart. Uh, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> when uh, I'm not not trying to be gross either, by the way, but I remember when I first lived in Louisville, Kentucky. I don't know if it was the climate or what. I'd never had a wart in my life. Well, a planter's wart developed on my heel. I'd never had one before, and if you've ever had a planter's wart, they get very painful after you walk on them for a while. And this one had gotten to a size that it was just painful. So I finally uh, went to the doctor. Well, I had, I had looked up scriptures, you know, on warts. And I, I, and, and I found one that I kind of liked in Deuteronomy 28. And it talked about tumors and that, I, you know, I've been, <clears throat> I've been redeemed from the curse of tumors. Praise God. And so anyway, so I, I read these scriptures. I prayed over the wart and nothing seemed to happen. So I called the doctor. I asked him if I could get it cut out and went to the doctor. The doctor 
cut the wart out and then I don't know why doctors are weird. They want to show you what they've cut off of your body for some reason. And he did. And I didn't ask to see it and didn't want to see it. <laughs> but anyway, so, but then he said, now that doesn't mean that another wart's not going to grow up right next to where that one was. I thought, well, okay, you know, whatever. I know you got to just give your disclaimer. So I go home and I'm thankful and my foot feels better. A week later, literally a week later, I've got another one growing right next to it. And I thought, what in the world? And it began, it got painful more quickly than the last one did. And so I really began to seek God. Now I'm going, Lord, I need help. I humbled myself before him and I just began to pray and say, Lord, I need to know how to fight this wart. I, I know that you don't want warts on my feet and that's not your plan for my life. So please show me how to do battle against this work. And so the next morning I was reading in my daily Bible reading plan and I'd read this, I'd read this book and this chapter and this verse many times before, but it never jumped off the page and into my heart like it did when I read it that day. It was in Nahum and I was in chapter one and verse nine says, affliction will not rise up a second time. And when I read that, I just went, what? I mean, it just bore witness with my heart. So now that goes back to what I was talking about in Romans 10 and 17, that it went past here and it went to here. So now I know I've got a verse that I can use. And the Holy Spirit said, that's your verse. <clears throat> I said, okay. So I took my shoe, my sock off, and I read to the wart from Nahum 1.9. I said, hey, I just want you to hear this. Nahum 1.9 says affliction will not rise up a second time. So you don't belong on my foot. So I'm speaking to you and I'm telling you to get off in Jesus' name. Don't come back. Dry up. So that night went to bed, woke up the next morning, got out of bed, stood up, no pain. I said, oh, that feels nice. And went to work, got home from work later that night, got ready for bed, took my shoe and my sock off, and it was almost completely dried up. And by the next morning, it was gone. Completely gone. Okay. <clears throat> so... A new battle needs a new battle plan. How many of you remember, Rebecca, come help me. Remember when the Israelites were faced with Jericho and they got this detailed plan from God. And God showed them what they needed to do. And it was an interesting plan. You know, go and march around the city every day, seven days, seventh day, march around so many times and then yell and the walls came down. So it was a specific plan. What did they do after God gave, him, gave them Jericho? What happened? Do you remember? The next town or the next city was Ai. So they go to the next city and they just send spies in there. They don't consult with the Lord. They don't ask God, what do we do? And the spies come back and they say, oh, this is a small little town. It doesn't even need the whole army. Just send about 3,500 guys up there and, and we'll knock this out. That sounds like a similar attitude. That was the attitude that I have when I left my job that God had blessed me with to go work for a secular company that, at a place where I didn't even belong. I just had the mindset, the attitude that, well, I can go sell anywhere. That's not a true statement, not if I want to be in the center of God's will. When we used to travel on the road, we traveled all across the United States, overseas, 
you know, we have been from corner to corner, top to bottom, all over the place. <clears throat> and I've had so many people ask us when we were traveling on the road, out of all the places that you've been, where would you want to live? At first, I didn't know how to answer it. But I learned real quick because God reminded me about the alignment of my life, being in alignment with His. I said, I've found the greatest place to live. Has the best water, has the, the most beautiful scenery, and it's in the center of God's will. The absolute center of His will. And I think about AI, and, they're, and they just sent the men down there. The men came out, they fought against them. <clears throat> 36 men died. Now they're wearing sackcloth and ashes. Now they're questioning God. Why did you bring us over here? Is that God's fault that, they're not, that they haven't even checked with them? Haven't even asked them? And God let them, I think it's interesting that God let them lay there for the day. And he finally spoke to Joshua and he said, Joshua, get up, dust yourself off. What are you doing down there? He said, there's sin in the camp. And you didn't even ask me. He said, if you would have asked me, I would have told you. What was going on? That Achan had stolen some stuff. And you didn't even ask me what the battle plan was. And then God gave them the battle plan. Now, I want you to notice it was a different battle plan than Jericho. So just because I found Nahum 1.9 and I used it to pray over my foot because it was the one that connected with the heart, the spirit on the inside of me and that was the one that I needed to use to pray over my foot and God healed me, does that mean now that I can, I can just take that? Now I have the formula, God. I don't need you anymore. No. New battle, new battle plan. Do you know why God brought the Israelites into the wilderness and started feeding them with manna? He wanted them to grow dependent upon His provision, His supply. He wanted them to fully trust Him so that they could live and step into the life that God wanted them to have where we fully trust Him, that He's going to take care of us, that He will be our supply. I'm here today and we're in Arkansas for one reason and one reason only. It's God's will. He brought us here. You know what's interesting? I was thinking about this during worship. <clears throat> uh, back in 2000 and we moved here in 2019, about 2017, we were here doing the 99, um, which, was, which was the ministry that we traveled with. And, and so we, would, we were always in a city for about seven weeks. So about the time that you could turn your GPS off because you could pretty much find everything, you were leaving town to go to the next city. And we were here long enough and we drove down through Springdale multiple times. And I remember I pulled up one time right in front of the Apollo Theater down here on Emma. And we were going somewhere else. And I said, oh, that's an old movie theater that they've read. They redid, you know, because if you look at it on the outside, you can tell it's been redone. I said, that would be a great place for a church. I just made that comment. Meant nothing by it. And then we were driving around. I think we were out in Tawny Town, which is where we live now. 
And I remember I looked at Nicole, I said, I, I think I could live here. I was just talking in my mind. I had no idea I was being prophetic. Because when Vision Church started, we, we started in the Apollo on Emma down here, on Emma Street. And then God moved Nicole and I to Tawny Town, which is where we live now. But you know what happens when you follow God's plan for your life? He takes you to places that you didn't expect, but it's always better than what you thought it was going to be. My responsibility is to wait until I hear from heaven. See, so, some people are wondering, how come we don't have a church building, Pastor Phil? Because I'm waiting. I'm listening. I'm, I'm not looking for a building. I am listening for a building. Because he's got the plan. And it's the good plan. It's the best plan because it's his plan. And so I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to allow myself to stress out. I've seen, church, I've seen church buildings split churches, literally, right in half. Because I think it started in the flesh, that's my opinion. And it never made it over into the Spirit. I would rather start in the Spirit and stay there. And be in alignment with where God wants us to go. And I desire the same thing for your life. And it's a, it's a slower way to do things. has been for me um, not always I mean there's times you know that God opens up opportunities that are unexpected and my desire is that I always check my heart I want to be God I want to be where you want me to be I want to be doing what you want me to do because I know then it will be the most effective see right now I believe that God may be speaking to some of you may be speaking to your heart even about relationships there may be some relationships in your life that you're a part of that God's saying, hey, I want you to pull back from that. I don't want that to be an intimate relationship for you. You know, maybe you're divulging too much information. Maybe you're connected to an organization that God doesn't want you to be connected to. Maybe you're, maybe you're in a place right now where you're searching and going, God, I have no idea what, what you want me to do right now. Well, now... It's time to get on the knees in the secret place and allow him to just speak to your heart. The day, and I've shared this guy, I've shared this with many of you, but some of you don't know. The day that I sat in our basement and I got down on my arm on my knees and I just gave my life fully and completely to him. I'm talking about my plans. And I said, God, whatever you want to do with me, I don't want to do anything else, but I want to do what you want me to do. The day I did that, oh my word. It's been an amazing adventure ever since. And I'm so grateful because I wouldn't have got to meet all you guys. I wouldn't be able to be here right now getting, getting to be a part of what God is doing here at Vision. So I want to pray for you this morning. If that's you, we're going to do a two-fold prayer. If that's you, <clears throat> and you, have, you just don't know what you're supposed to do. Maybe you don't know what the next step is. Maybe you don't know what direction you're supposed to take. I'm telling you, God knows. And you can't follow a better plan than his plan for your life because he said it in Jeremiah. We read it. He said, I know the plans I have for you. 
You can't follow somebody else without letting them lead. It's not following if I'm deciding where we're going. But that's the first person I want to pray for. The second person I want to pray for is the person that has started out in faith but you've experienced trials, you've experienced tribulations, you've experienced challenges and issues, and it has rattled your faith. And I wanna pray for you this morning that you can get back to firm faith like Jesus prayed over Peter, that his faith would remain firm. If that's you, I wanna pray for you. So all around the room <clears throat> this morning, if that's you, if you guys bow your heads, for a moment, close your eyes if that's you. I want to pray. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's take just a moment just to get our hearts centered on Him. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord Jesus. God, we just center our hearts on You. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for what you're doing, God. Lord, right now I pray over those that are looking for direction in their life. They're trying to figure out what, which way to go. God, I just pray for the reality of your presence and your direction in their life to manifest for them. Lord, give them ears to hear, eyes to see to receive it so they can walk in it. God, thank you for that opportunity. And Lord, I pray for the people, Lord, that have been standing in faith and they've had hit after hit after hit and they've begun to question. Lord, I, I pray that they would come back to firm faith and no longer doubt, no longer question. Thank you, Father, for growing their faith, increasing their faith. Lord, that it would be firm, resolved, 